Coming to you live from Earl's Penthouse Studios, 13 stories above the Seattle Center. Made possible by the Athenian Seafood Restaurant, located in the heart of Pike Place Market. I know a girl who's soft and sweet. She's so fine, she can't be beat. Got everything that I desire. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Johnny Boyshire. And Mr. Matt Younts. Our very own beer savant. I want candy. That seems like a kind of a bad place to be right now. Matt Younts and Charles Finkel. How long have you guys known each other? Uh, I've been in this business for almost 20 years, and I've known him that long. Are we still on Barleywood Squares? Because <laughs> Matt and I have been good friends for 72 years. 72. 72, 72 years. years. We first met during the Second World War. I was in a trench. Yeah. Charles was carrying me out because I got I was, shot. I was driving a, I was in a jet airplane. Yeah, right. He landed that thing like a, precisely. No, I've heard that about you. And, uh, and then he's we, a spot pilot. And then what was perfect. really nice about it, we shared a beer. Hey, well, what do we do? You pop a cab before. No, hold there. on, uh, Charles. What beer was it that you shared? Pike Place Ale. Because <laughs> that you know that's an that's an ancient, that's an ancient seventy two year old recipe. Coincidentally, that's the beer they have right here at Naked City today. It so is so weird. Yeah. Oh, I'm it's, a go get it. it's a homecoming day for you and I, Charles. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Donald Trump is calling. So. <laughs> wow! Oh my God! When he calls, I come. Is he mad at you? I hope. <laughs> what so. did you do to Trump right now? <laughs> I put a big finger up right to- toward him. Oh, <laughs> uh, Charles Finkel's the shit. Are you kidding me? Exactly. I gotta go. Thanks, hey, Charles. Hey, hey, I got one finger for Trump too for you, Charles. <laughs> So you and Charles Finkel yucking it up at Barleywood Squares, Seattle Beer Week 9. That was pretty funny. Yeah, it happens sometimes. For an old guy, he still parties pretty hard. Yeah. My favorite part was watching him and Mari Kemper ascend that scaffolding to the top row. I know. We've had this kind of quiet secret bet on who's going to break a hip on that. <laughs> we always try to keep it on the bottom floor. At least the middle one. But Charles thinks he's like 12 still, so he still climbs up like a tree. Yeah. So that was Saddle B Work 9. That's over. It's done. It's over and done. It's over and done. We're waiting for 10. Yeah, we've already started planning it. It's a big year, big 10 anniversary. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. You don't like wine, do you? I drink wine sometimes. Do you? Yeah. What do you like? I like uh, red wines. I like. Uh, red wines? Yeah. Just red wines. Just plain red. Yeah, just red. There's red and white. Any red. Right, there's red or white in a restaurant. That's what you get. Yeah, there's no <laughs> other kind of wine. It's just red and white. Uh, we had this one the other day, this Grenache that was pretty good. A Grenache? Yeah. From where? Uh, Revelry Winery. Oh, that's a Washington wine. Yeah, it's, I've never had it before, and we had it. We cracked it open at the Drake because I was going to try it. And I was very much impressed. Yeah. So I went to uh, California wine country uh, yeah. last week. I saw some of the pics from your, your traveling tour. And you know what was really interesting to me? What I found out was that the same thing that happens in the beer industry with the big boys buying up the little boys and so on and so forth, it's happening in the wine industry. It's so depressing. Wow. And I walked into this one winery, which will rename, remain nameless. And they must have had like $5 billion, in, you know, invested in yep. stuff that had nothing to do with wine, you know, fountains. Making and, it look know, fancy. Oh, man, it was ridiculous. You know, and then the people going there were only going there because they knew about it because those people have money for advertising. Yep. And nobody's like paying attention. Nope. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's a big business in this country. 
Yeah, it's it's insane. And there's a lot. Of, there's a, probably a lot more small family wineries than there are small family breweries. Well, we gotta. You know what we gotta do is we gotta do a tour uh, of Washington, and we gotta do wines, and we also gotta do Bale Breaker and go to the hop farm because oh, yeah, be Dave fun. from Bale Breaker said that I should. We should go out there it's and cool. talk to his parents who are hop farmers. Yeah, that's cool. And talk to them about you know. Because I understand people are buying up the hops too. It's the same thing. Yeah, uh, like the, just with the, I think it's a, it's a Budweiser. They S A B Miller, no, one of those. They are keeping all the hops they have in their South American right. growers for themselves because well, before, there's a shortage. Before I get more into wine, what beer are you drinking? Freem. Oh, so we chose the same beer. Yeah, well, it's Freem. I mean, well, it's Freem. Yeah, it's free. This is a new one though. Which, this, it's a cryo pale. There, there's this new process they're doing of like cryo freezing the hops. So they can extract more of the lopalins out of them, and then they add it back to the beer. Extract more of the what? The lopalins. Uh, it's the, the oils. Oh, oh the, beer the oils. Yeah, yeah, right. So there's a new, like, oh, very few breweries are doing it. Like, everybody's just doing it now, I know. I know that Freem is doing it. I heard one other local brewery is doing it, but it's just kind of a new way to, to use hops in beer. The thing about Freem and the thing about everything in life is what makes good beer and what makes good wine and what makes good life is balance. balance. Freem's beers are the most yeah. balanced. They're fantastic. Freem, Cloudburst is the same. I say like Chuckanut's up there with beers that, that stylistically are right what they say they're going to be. When you order a beer from those breweries, you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah, that's cool. And that's, that's hard to find these days when everybody's mixing beer with this and adding fruit and lactose and making them all milkshakey. That, that's not, when you say pale ale, it should be pale ale. I saw somebody today, they make a Pilsner with pineapples, mangoes, and guavas. That, not, when, that no longer is a Pilsner. That's, I don't know what that is. That's not a Pilsner. That's not a Pilsner. Now, what about, so when I did my trip, I went to North Coast Brewing. It's a good place. And they came out with a peach mango Berliner Weiss. So they, I think this is the first beer that they ever yeah, uh, they have strayed one. from the uh, Red Hutzka oh. Yeah, well, they did the tart cherry Berliner Weiss. Oh, they did. Yeah, that was their first go-around with that. But Berliner's a little different because you got the salt. And usually in Germany, they, they, uh, they serve them with two different kinds of little syrups, uh, raspberry and woodruff, which is the right. original marshmallow flavor. And you sweeten it how you want. Right. Because they tend to be a little tart, especially the older they get. Right. So by adding fruit to it, it makes that does kind of make sense because nobody in America serves it with the fruit, with the, with the uh, syrups. There was, a, there was a great sweetness to it that didn't come from, you know how sweetness can sometimes come from the yeast in my, you know, and it's kind of funky? Yeah. This was all the fruit and it was delicious. It's that's delicious. Right. It's that's, that's a good, I mean, those guys know what they're doing down there. I've been there three or four times. They do. I hung out with Doug Moody. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, he was so great. Doug and, and uh, Deborah and, Mark, Mark and Barbara and I um, had lunch, and uh, it was it was a really good time. But then we went over into Alexander Valley, and I went to this winery that I, I used to sell in New York uh, like 100 years ago, Handley Vineyards. They're no longer distributed. They only do the mail thing because they don't want to get involved and all that. You know, they don't want to get bought. They want to remain what they are. It was fantastic. And uh, cool. it was great because they kind of remembered me and I, you know. Even better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because I had walked the vineyards with Milla Handley, who's since retired. And, uh, you know, it was like real wine with real character, you know, and real. And the big wineries, it was just like. I don't know. I mean, maybe... Lose, lose some of its soul. I mean, once you go from, like, people hand-brewing it every single day to a, pushing a button and having it done, it yeah. strips part of the soul out of anything you do. I mean, when, yeah. I went to a brewery in Germany that was, at the time, one of my favorite breweries of all time. The size of this building was absolutely immense, and there were seven guys who just pushed buttons all day. 
That's yeah, it's it. kind of funny. It just takes away that whole like hands-on. I mean, even somebody like Tommy Arthur yeah. from Lost Abbey Port, he still puts the boots on, pair up, and goes out and makes beer. Right. Vinny from Russian River still puts on the boots and goes out and does it. He doesn't push button thing. Right. I think that can you imagine something like a like a Planet of the Elder was made on a machine? It just wouldn't have the same soul right. that it, it has by being handmade. Right. And then I went to uh, Preston. I heard that one right before. Um, so, are you familiar with what biodynamics is? Yes. So tell me what you know about biodynamics. I had a great conversation Isn't with the guy. That so when everything that goes into the winery comes out of the winery is all, it's all like um, I don't say zero footprint, but it's all done to maximize the land and the, the environment that you're on. See, you and I are the only ones that get it, because huh. everybody that goes to the winery and they say biodynamic, and all they know about is all the. Like hocus pocus religious stuff, you know. You bury the horn, you know. <laughs> you know, you, you you like pick them during the total eclipse yeah. or something like that. And I was sitting there talking to this guy because I used to sell Preston too, like, oh. and they're no longer distributed, and they have become biodynamic. And, I would like to see. And that. the guy was a little defensive, you know, and everything because I was talking about the biodynamics, and he's just used to all these people going, oh, you know, you you like so it's a weird religion. And when I read it, the one thing I got was. Completely self-sustaining. Everything that is on the farm comes from the farm, and when it's used, it is repurposed to whatever it changes after you use it. And there is absolutely no influence from the outside. So that's that's yeah. not only making a quality product, but that's taking care of the people around you. I mean, that's taking care of your children and your grandchildren. Exactly, exactly. And it was fantastic. So I'm going to encourage people to, you know, find the wineries you've never heard of. Find the ones that are like. Just like with beer, like, you know... Go to a town and say, where's your nearest brewery? Yeah, exactly. Or go to a town and say, you know... Where's this wine from? Where's a winery that, you know, that's just doing it by themselves? You know, uh, and I will say, I saw a post from Dave Bueller from Elysian, you know, and there's all this talk about, you know, because there's the other side of the coin, you know. He's like, look, you know, we're still doing it the same way. We're still, you know, I mean, they were bought by, what? A-B. In, A-B, yeah, they're InBev, right? A-B, InBev, yeah. Yeah. But he was saying, you know, like, look, we're still doing it that way. And the fact that he has to defend himself is, well, you know, I mean, that's the way it is. But there's one, I can't remember who. They that, can't they, all be wrong. No, they can't. They, and this is this is happening, has been happening in Europe. If we didn't have prohibition in America, this would have been happening years and years and years ago. It's been happening in Europe for for 100 years, big breweries buying little breweries. Right. Just now our... our our fledgling little handmade brewery thing has become a major, a major contributor to jobs in this country. I mean, not only just the, the farmers and the growers, but also the truck drivers and the manufacturers of labels and the glass. And yeah, they are owned by AB InBev, but a lot of my friends still work there, and now they can afford to make the beer the best they can make it. Now they have a full lab that they can experiment with their beers to make sure the beer always tastes good. And they've all said to me, at the point that they cannot make the beer that they, they created, they're out. They're working on a brewery in California now. They've had to dump a bunch of batches because it doesn't taste to Marcus's standards. So it's not going to be produced until it tastes exactly like they want it done. So there are two sides to the coin. Yep. There are two well, sides was, to the I coin. Think was, I think it might have been Dick Campbell when he wrote his book, uh, Brewing Up a Business. I, 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 we were at some thing right after this all happened out, and I think he said something to the effect of, uh, had he wrote an exit strategy chapter in that book, hey, you grow your brand, you make it really, really big, and then you sell it to the highest bidder. People probably wouldn't have been an uproar. People probably would have been like, oh, that's what you do. Because everybody wants to be a brewer now. Everybody wants to buy right. a brewery and run it. And th- what's the ultimate goal of any business you create? Is to make as much money as you can and get out. So right. had it not been AB, had it been somebody else, maybe it would have been less of a ripple around the world. But 
you know. But then there's the other side of the coin, you know, which is, you know, like when I was at Handley or Preston, their, their goal is to maintain something that they're proud of at all times and not ever get out. That's, so there's two brewers that I know that left there, and they, their thing was, we don't ever want to be that. We want to brew until we can't brew anymore ever. And we want to make sure we have full control over it from start to finish with nobody telling us what to do. Like Mike Hale. Like Mike Hale. Like Mike Hale. Like Mike Hale's been doing it, I mean, 1982. Remember when he said at that show, and he goes, he goes, we were selling it for $82. We didn't know we weren't making money. <laughs> you know, because when you don't have a business plan, remember yep. that? That's because he did it for Because he love. just did it for the love. Yep. Right. Him, and, him and Mark Rudrick's story from, from uh, North Coast, where he just were very similar. They went to Europe with their wives and right. fell in love with pubs and decided to come back and do it. The rest is history for those guys. So what we have to do is we have to carry this theme into spirits and see what's happening in the spirits world. I mean, you know, I've told people this a hundred times. I mean, you know, 90% of the bourbon out there is made in seven. Yep. Seven distilleries make like I just 90% my, of I everything you first, see. I toured my first whiskey distillery last week. It was Mischief down in Fremont. Right. And not only is the, I mean, it's all family owned and what he's done for the, I mean, he's done a million things for this country, this, this state. He's lived here his whole life. He built ships. Right. I mean, he did, he built that thing by his own two hands. And it's like Charlie the Chocolate Factory in there with all the weird spinners and stuff on it. Right, right, right. But it's all family. And there's like five people that work there produce everything they make. That's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. All right. Keep listening. Keep going, guys. All right. Tune in. Tune on. Or what is it? Tune, tune in, in. Turn out. Tune, tune in. Turn tune on. In. Tune in. Drop out. Turn in. Tune in. Whatever. Hey, that's more your generation than mine, man. You should know that one. Yeah, I know. I'm just tongue twisted. Hey, come on. I'm on my second beer. It's uh, it's what is it? Noon. Almost, man. All right. Peace. Don't don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. A one, two, three, four. Thank you for tuning in to Your Out on the Town, brought to you by the Athenian Seafood Restaurant in Pike Place Market. This has been an Earl's Penthouse Studio production. Johnny Boyster's Wardrobe, provided by Silva Italian. Matt Younce's Wardrobe, provided by Kahala Fine Hawaiian. I'm Butt Naked. Point Smith is butt naked.